0: what is going on movie lovers welcome back to another edition of no content for old men this is the podcast where every week i give you reviews of the latest movies and some streaming suggestions for your weekend as always i'm your host matt craig thank you so much for listening this week we're going to be talking about Stillwater, which is the matt damon led tom mccarthy directed uh and amanda knox inspired <laughs> uh drama and uh i actually really liked it so spoiler alert uh Stay tuned for that, and we're also going to be talking about, let's see, Modern Love, Charade, and Logan Lucky, if any of those movies uh, suit you. I think you'll enjoy watching them this weekend, so you're going to want to stay tuned for all of that. Uh, This is just your friendly PSA. (laughs) Uh, Get in touch with me. Uh, We're going to feature one on the show, somebody who saw Coda last week. I heard from a lot of people, but one of them we're going to feature here um, on the show so I would love to hear from more from you guys if you watch any of the movies that I recommend this week or have in past weeks yeah get in touch with me on twitter at Mr. Matt Craig or through my newsletter at mattcraig.substack.com and let me know what you guys think of these movies I obviously I love hearing from you and uh yeah I'm sure everyone else in the community would love to hear from you as well so yeah with that in mind let's talk about Stillwater. Actors pride themselves on being able to transform into a role. They've been doing it for decades. Gaining weight or losing weight, growing up, growing out their hair or beard, developing a limp or a stutter, and hopefully never going full, R-word. One thing I've never seen a movie star turn into before, though, is a roughneck from Stillwater, Oklahoma. First time I saw this trailer for Stillwater, Matt Damon's transformation stopped me dead in my tracks because... I grew up about an hour from Stillwater, and I knew people exactly like Damon's character. Heck, I had relatives who walked like that. They dressed like that. They talked like that. Growing up, I probably had a little bit of Stillwater accent, too. As with anyone who sees their particular subculture represented on the big screen, I was thankful quote-unquote Hollywood didn't take any unfair pot shots at the Fox News-watching, Bible-thumping Oklahoma dudes I grew up around. This particular brand of Oki carries himself with a repressed hyper-masculinity, the type of guy who walks around looking like he's tough and resolute in his beliefs about the world, yet underneath his camo hat he is brimming with insecurities. That makes him the dramatically perfect fish out of water in a place like Marseille, France. The language is different, the culture is different, people are different. For someone who finds security and identity in an environment a familiarity to whom different means wrong. This is a place where there's no comfort to be found. Or maybe he's just uncomfortable because his daughter is in prison there, having been charged with the murder of a fellow student who was her girlfriend. A crime of passion, the police said. If that sounds familiar, it's because the story is unmistakably inspired by the Amanda Knox saga. But in almost every conceivable way, the particulars have been altered. This didn't stop Knox from raising holy hell about the movie, of course. Her primary concern seeming to me to be that they didn't pay her? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, this story isn't really about the Knox stand-in, played admirably by a restrained Abigail Breslin. It's about Damon, trying desperately to prove her innocence. He totally nails the character, a reminder, as if we needed one, that he is the rarest mix of movie star charisma and transformational acting talent. His character work is really what carries the movie. Then, as the movie wears on, he slowly morphs from an unrecognizable Oklahoma roughneck into, well, Matt Damon, which the movie needs in order to transform itself from a fish-out-of-water character study into sort of a detective story that almost reaches full-on thriller status. I was impressed that the movie opted not to do the kind of raw-nerve father-daughter emotional roller coaster ride like something like Prisoner's. Which it could have it could have ridden that. Instead, it represses its emotional response in a way that felt appropriate to the character. Without giving too much away, there's a surrogate French family who raises the question about what it means to be a father, to be a family. The ambition of the movie is very nuanced, reaching for some deeper meaning about the complexities of the things we do for love. And I believe it achieves those goals. It's no mystery. I'm a big fan of writer-director Tom McCarthy, who made Spotlight, but Unlike that triumph, this story doesn't allow for a big cathartic release at the end. In that way, it could never be as satisfying as Spotlight was, which, no shame, because Spotlight was close to a perfect movie. So in the end, Stillwater is the ultimate example of the often misidentified quote-unquote movies they never make anymore. Yes, it has a reasonable budget and a movie star in the lead, the standard criteria people bring up, but the ultimate token of the bygone era is When a movie is content to be really good, without feeling the need to grab a viewer by the lapels and show, This movie is really good! There's no flashy camera tricks, no tinkering with the chronology, no special effects. The movie isn't a box office smash, because understated movies don't bring people out to the theater. Or if you're an Okie like Matt Damon's character, you'd say, Theater. It's not going to compete for Oscars, because it's not a triumphant or flashy celebration of the power of movies it's just a good movie. And as the Okies would say, ain't that enough anymore? All right, real quick before we get into our usual programming, uh, one note from last week. The the rave reviews for CODA keep rolling in from readers who saw last week's newsletter and checked it out. I heard from a lot of them. It struck a nerve with many uh, and I wanted to share one briefly that I got uh, from a reader of the newsletter and here's what she wrote. It has been a very long time since I've seen a movie that has stirred up such emotions. I am not one to shed tears easily and this movie did it. Tears streaming down. And later she said this movie gave me a better understanding and appreciation of the deaf community to get the perspective of the parents watching their daughter perform in silence was so incredibly powerful. So, I mean, really, what more recommendation could you need? Thank you to her for reading, watching, and writing in. And I'd love to hear from you all. So, again, get in touch with me at Mr. Matt Craig on Twitter or through my newsletter at MattCraig.Substack.com. All right, guys, you know the drill. Every week I give you something new, something old, and something to stream. This week's Something New is on Amazon Prime Video and it's Modern Love, Season 2. Hey, you know all those great high-concept romantic comedies that they supposedly don't make anymore? Well, I found them. <laughs> They've been hiding in little 35-minute packages on Amazon, adapted quite liberally from or by romance master John Carney, the guy who made Once and Begin Again, Sing Street, which, by the way, if you haven't seen any of those three movies, you should check out, but... They're adapted by him and from assorted romance columns in the New York Times, so it's basically kind of like Sex and the City, except a million times smarter, more romantic, more clever, and better acted. Each episode is its own separate story, and the second batch just dropped last week. I've seen three and loved them all, the best of which starred Kit Harrington, aka Jon Snow, and Lucy Boynton as strangers who meet on a train riding across Ireland. They have a connection, but... Rather than exchanging numbers, they decide, a la Before Sunrise, to meet on the same train platform two weeks later. Except that this train ride was happening in March 2020, and two weeks later, the train station is shut down because of COVID-19. Ugh, drama. But seriously, uh, this series is awesome, and you should 100% check out Modern Love on Amazon. Alright, something old this week, it's from 1963, it's also streaming on Amazon Prime Video, and it's Charade. They call it the best, Hitcho- the best Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made, <laughs> and this week I finally found out why. Audrey Hepburn stars as a woman set on divorcing her husband who returns from a trip to find him murdered. She's comforted in the arms of Cary Grant, but then again, who wouldn't be, but as Tends to be the case in these things, nobody is who they seem. It's a really fun and clever caper, whose influence can be seen in everything from Jason Bourne to Pink Panther to when Harry met Sally. Hepburn and Grant bounce back and forth between being friends and foes, as the plot makes each of its dozen or so twists, providing their clever brand of humor along the way, bantering back and forth. It's not maybe quite as clever as His Girl Friday or as kooky as Arsenic and the Old Lace, but the movie serves up a big dose of that irresistible old Hollywood charm. And lastly, something to stream this week, it's on Hulu, and it's Logan Lucky. When we talk about, you know, empathetic portrayals of so-called middle America, this Steven Soderbergh heist movie would most definitely not be on the list, but... I've never understood why the movie nicknamed Ocean's 7-Eleven didn't end up being a bigger hit. A bunch of hillbillies robbing a NASCAR race? I mean, come on, what more could you want? The cast is just, I mean, it's awesome. Adam Driver, Channing Tatum, Daniel Craig, Katie Holmes, Sebastian Stan, Seth MacFarlane, Hilary Swank, Riley Keough. I mean, And the story's classic Soderbergh, action comedy heist with that big twist reveal at the end. I keep waiting year after year for people to finally discover this movie and have it, you know, that critical reevaluation, But it just hasn't happened yet. And really, it should. This movie's a heck of a lot of fun. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's show. I know it's, yeah, a little bit of a short one. Uh, but honestly, I mean, the movies that are coming out, I guess this is something I have to remind myself is that August is usually, you know, the slow time of year. Uh, this is usually kind of like people catching their breath between uh, the blockbuster season and then the awards season. But the, yeah, there was there was a lot of movies that came out this week and I just wasn't interested in any of them. Free Guy, uh, Respect, um, Don't Breathe 2, uh, Night House. Uh, I mean, yeah, these were, you know, Four movies that came out, even more. Uh, that I, a Jungle Cruise was in its second or third weekend, but yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't super into any of them. Uh, so it was still water. But you know, next week I, I feel like the the movie release calendar is uh, it's still like it's picking up steam. As much as I said that you know people are clearing their throats, and maybe that's the case with uh, movies not being awesome. But we got the Reminisce, the big Hugh Jackman movie coming out uh, this week. We have uh, obviously. Uh, Candyman coming out the following week, but Annette is going to come to Amazon Prime, and that was an, supposedly an awards movie. So I don't know. I, I feel like uh, there's going to be plenty for us to talk about. Is I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Uh, let me know what you guys, yeah, what you guys want to see. If there's any movies that I'm planning on not watching, if there's any of the ones I just mentioned that I'm going to skip, uh, let me know. Maybe I should circle back and, and hit them if you guys think they're good, or maybe if they're even if they're especially bad. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you guys listening as always spread the word to at least one person who you think would enjoy discussion about, uh, movies, but until next week, guys, as always, I guess I'll see you at the movies.